Marwan, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um, before we kick things off, um, can I just ask how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. I think today is going to be um, another, obviously, um, exciting addition to the podcast where we can really talk a bit more about you, your career background, and actually bring it back to um, Veeam and everything you're doing with that at the moment. So uh, we'll talk about everything fintech today for us. Um, <laughs> so let's get this started. Um, Marwan, can you explain um, for a lot of our fintech listeners who either if they do know of, of the company or if they don't, can you explain what Veeam is and how exactly the technology works? Yeah, so uh, Veeam is, uh, is basically uh, a really simple way for businesses to pay and get paid. Um, it's a wire replacement service. Um, in the US, uh, for, for US audiences, it's like Venmo for uh, businesses around the world. Um, we do domestic and international payment. And the key thing is if you're sending money to uh, another party, all you need is email and, and you're done. Uh, so that's how the system is, is set up. It's based on simplicity and customer delight. And underneath the hood, we have a payment routing module called Multirail, which essentially optimizes the routing of payments based on whatever is the best trail for the user. So if you're sending money from, let's say, UK to Germany or UK to the US or UK to China, we figure out what is the best route here to move that money to the recipient. We have six different rails that we work with. We have our own bank accounts in a number of uh, countries. We use blockchain and crypto, which is a fascinating uh, topic on its own. Uh, we use uh, Visa and MasterCard. We're integrated into their infrastructure. We have access to SWIFT. Uh, we uh, send money to wallets. And uh, we also work with third-party providers in, in different countries, especially regulated countries like China. So it's an elaborate uh, you know, payment uh, routing engine that we put in place to optimize the movement of money for, uh, for our customers. Just a little bit about the, the company. We um, mm -hmm. started late 2014. Um, I used to run e-commerce for Western Union, uh, got, got into Western Union for an acquisition of a company called Ebilme, which I found and sold to them. Um, I left and started Veeam. Uh, again, the idea is, you know, we want to treat payments. It's like when you go buy coffee in the morning, you don't you don't think of how you pay, you just do it. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Idea here is like international payments and, and business payments in general should not be that complex. We want the experience to be like buying coffee. You, you don't think about it, you just do it. Um, so we have, you know, we're in 110 countries, 50 plus currencies, we have a quarter million accounts on the platform. And, uh, you know, this is a venture capital funded uh, business and, uh, you know, in growth mode. That's great. Um, I think with what you've just said, you know, trying to do something which is for the consumer's interest, that it is actually the whole journey that they're going through with this. You know, when you are buying a coffee in the morning, this is probably more of a luxury pre-COVID uh, times where you could literally just walk into a shop, not even think about how you're going to do it, whether it's with a cashless payment, um, you would just pick out your card, uh, you know, and then it's there. You don't, it's sort of as though it's the same as putting trousers on in the morning, you know, you don't really think about it, it just happens. But I think um, with what you've explained there with Veeam, um, it's it's exciting to say the least. So just obviously to clarify for our listeners, um, you are the CEO of Veeam. I suppose moving on to the next step with that, um, could you actually explain in a few words, what is the main problem um, you are solving? Yeah, um, we're solving uh, basically, uh, you know, a process that uh, customers use uh, 
through their bank, which is wire transfers and replacing that with a modern experience. So let me walk you through that in detail. So, you know, if I'm a business and, and I want to send money to uh, China, for example, I have a supplier that I need to pay. Today, what happens is, you know, without Veeam, you, you log into your bank or believe it or not, sometimes you have to show up to the bank and do it in person. You have to fill this wire form and then to fill the wire form, you basically have to gather information about the receiver. So typically a receiver's name and address and, uh, you know, IBAN and BIC and SWIFT goes and then you got to figure out currency pairs and, you know, got to pay the wire fee to send the payment. You got to figure out foreign exchange. And also you, you got to make sure you do it before cutoff times. Because if you miss cutoff time, you know, the payment doesn't actually go out. It, you have to do it the second day or if it happens to be on a weekend, you have to mm -hmm. wait till next week before you do it. Um, and then once you do all this, you actually don't know what happens to your money uh, until uh, the receiver tells you uh, that, hey, I received your money. Um, and, and same thing happens on, on the receiving end. The receiver uh, doesn't know when they're going to get paid. So think of now the supplier that you're sending money to in, in China. They're wondering when exactly is money going to show up in my bank account. And so they check constantly to see, hey, is there money uh, deposited? And once the money shows up, they actually have a harder time figuring out what money belongs to what invoice because, you know, put yourself in their shoes. They're, they're sending a bunch of invoices out. Generally, these invoices are in like USD or Euro. Sometimes they're in RMB, but they're, they're usually in different currencies. And then when the actual money that shows up in their bank account is local currency, and so then they have to sort it out. They have to figure out what money belongs to what invoice. And then they have to figure out what exactly is the cost of that payment, especially if there's foreign exchange involved. And so all that becomes, you know, confusing to the user friction and manual processes that generally, uh, you know, we're in 2021, you, you know, we got to do better than this. And so what we wanted to do is provide an experience that's fundamentally different to the user, not, not small changes to what you have today. It's actually a very different experience altogether. And so we wanted to get the experience in a way where the sender does very little. All you need is the email address, the amount of money, and you're done. And in exchange, the receiver goes on the system, onboards themselves, provide their bank account information. They pick up the money that, that uh, they bought, and then they are able to track the payment and know exactly when they're going to get it in their bank account. So that's the experience that we built. And it's a, it's a very different experience than what you get today from Bankwire. Mm. It definitely sounds like it. I think, um, you know, with what you've just explained, it sounds like a very seamless uh, transaction at the end of the day, you know, really trying to provide it for the person using your service and then it being used effectively uh, for the recipient. So I suppose the main bulk of uh, the time that I've got with you today is I've just talked through a little bit about everything, I suppose, in regards to fintech. You know, we are a, a pivotal moment in time where we can talk about the changes which have been over the last year, um, you know, in regards to other factors, you know, uh, COVID is one of them. Um, I suppose for a moment, if we could just talk about how, you know, Veeam and your competitors at the moment are being able to find success one year later after the pandemic, you know, could you just talk maybe a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, COVID uh, in a sense created two different worlds altogether. Um, you know, one world is doing quite fine, which is all the virtual businesses 
in anything that happens online. So that world is thriving. And there's another world that is having a hard time because they're, you know, that's physical exchanges of goods and services. And with all the COVID issues, that that is tough. And so what ends up happening is just that the the folks that are servicing that online business are doing also quite fine. And so like we're in a sense, because of our portfolio of, of businesses that use Beam had more um, you know, online businesses in it, uh, we, we actually did quite fine during the during COVID. I, I think there is uh, also long-term uh, structural changes from COVID that I think are going to impact the industry for a while. Um, in the world before COVID, we used to shop offline. And then if there's something that we kind of can't get or, you know, it's time sensitive, we would then go online and do the transaction. Post-COVID, actually, and in, in during COVID, the, the experience is different to the user. I think habits have changed. Now you start online. And if there's something you really need or you can't, you know, you can't get online, you say, well, maybe I should go pick it up in the mm-hmm. store. And you see how like the the changes in it's a habitual thing because now it's enough time has passed. You know, it's not like one month and we're going back to old habits. It's 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 a year now. And you know, my grandma now shops online. I mean, she never did that before. <laughs> it's interesting to see how different the adaption has been, you know, like you just said, you know, for, exactly. uh, for yeah, different yeah. users. Now, <laughs> uh, you know, when you see that sort of behavior at large, uh, I, I think that behavior will stay, um, you know, post-COVID. Um, and that, uh, you know, that will do well with FinTech because, you know, that's more payments are going to be electronic, less cash, less checks. Um, and, I, and I think it creates an environment where there is a lot more expectations to real-time payments, which I think is a general trend that we're going to see over time. Because, you know, when you're shopping online, you know, people have different expectations uh, mm-hmm. than, than doing it offline. So, you, you know, um, it, it, uh, it, it's going to increase uh, two fundamental use cases. One, the rise of e-commerce and online shopping, and two, you know, equally interesting remote labor. Um, you, you know, again, post-COVID, folks are going to be companies are going to be very flexible with the labor. Um, work from home, work in different countries in different states or different provinces. You, you know, it doesn't have to be next to you, and so that that's going to encourage also a lot more, you know, online payments because of that. Yeah, I think with what you've just mentioned, that's a very significant point, actually, when you are, I suppose, in the days of being out shopping, you know, or buying something where you could actually go into a shop. And the experience that you're having with your payments is very much, I don't know if it's right to say it's slowed down in the sense of, you know, it's the whole experience you're getting if you are going out and you're buying something. Um, I do wonder what the, the percentage of thought is, is that after you've paid for something, you you don't necessarily think about it there and then once you've paid for it whereas now being at home um if you're buying something online i'm sure a lot of users think you know either my money has immediately been withdrawn or you know i'm actually seeing it happening because you know you are at home you you're stuck with you know in the same four walls um so yeah i think that that would be something interesting to see like you said it's been a year now it's not something that we are still living through in the space of you know weeks to a month um 
So yeah, the level of adaption seems to be something which is um, quite interesting to witness at the moment. Um, I think what one point I would like to talk about, obviously, um, you know, we've, we've, it's something which has to be mentioned because it's fintech podcast. Um, obviously, in regards to Bitcoin, um, it, you know, it continues to be a hot topic. Um, yeah. I suppose with that, you know, I'd like to get, I suppose, you know, what what is your take on it, um, and how can this play a role in the payments industry? Um, I think Bitcoin is is a super interesting trend for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, so we actually, when we started the company. Um, we started doing payments on on Bitcoin. We use Bitcoin as a as a as a pair to cross on. So, like, if I'm sending money from, for example, you know, uh, UK to Mexico, uh, we would pick up pound, convert to crypto, mainly Bitcoin, convert, send Bitcoins to the to the to Mexico, convert again to pesos, and mm-hmm. then deposit pesos with, with the receiver. Uh, so we so we were quite familiar with. Um, Bitcoin as a as an instrument to to use it for transfer. I, I think the topic uh, itself uh, has two different audiences. Um, one audience that thinks of Bitcoin as that the world needs another currency, and that has its believers and its uh, investors in 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 its its uh, set of startups or set of companies that are active in it, um, and generally that audience uh, looks to buy Bitcoin, keep it uh, because they want to use it in the future because the value of it is going to appreciate. And some folks uh, go in and out of it, trade it to make, you know, to make money. It's just another instrument to, 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 to use for their own, uh, for their, their own trading. Um, there's a second class of, of users, which is looking at the underlying technology, which is the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And so companies like, like Veeam, we are in that category. We're not necessarily uh, looking at Bitcoin as a currency itself. We're looking at it as a, as a method of transfer underlying foundation, of which there's multiple use cases that benefit from that distributed infrastructure, of which payments is one of them. But there's, there's a whole bunch of other use cases. I mean, there's quite a bit of work going on security and, and identity and uh, rack tech and uh, insurance tech. Uh, and so mm-hmm. there is going to be emergence of, of uh, use cases that um, build uh, interesting applications that leverage distributed infrastructure to showcase how you can use new technology to bring something new to the user. So I suppose with um, with what you just talked about there about Bitcoin and seeing how you know it is working at the moment, um, this probably leads on to my next question for you. Do you think it's time for major brand businesses um, to be accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment, or you know, if not now, when? Um, you know, it depends on what you're selling and what industry you're in, and who mm-hmm. your audience is. Generally speaking, when you add payment options at that checkout, you generally you generally impact conversion generally positively, but you know if it's a confusing payment option, you, you know it, it it will have a negative conversion. Um, so you're if you tailor to an audience uh, that are more tech savvy that that you know have that Bitcoin base to them, then you will see some benefit from enabling it as a payment method. But if your audience is more like, you know, um, 
I would say more established, more traditional than, you know, it may confuse them. And, and so you just have to think about your demographics. That's the key thing. Um, I think Bitcoin as a payment method in general is going to become bigger longer term. Um, and it has to do with the size of audience that has it as a form mm -hmm. of payment, or as a, as a uh, you know, the more people that have Bitcoins that are using, the more likely you're going to get you know, usage if you accept it as a payment type. Right now, it's a small use case um, and it's an edge use case. But as the market becomes bigger, you know, if Bitcoin becomes like, let's say 10 trillion and becomes 10 times its size, you, you're going to see a lot more folks that have it. And so then it becomes more uh, acceptable. And when it's more acceptable, you, you know, when you, when you open it up, people will use it. I think, yeah, that, that is, um, that's interesting. I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, you know, tuning into this episode would be keen to find out more about what you've just discussed in regards to Bitcoin and actually having that sort of insight of where we see it's going to be, you know, if it is something which is taken up by major brand businesses, you know, if they do at some point in the future, uh, if it's the near future, not sure. Um, but if it, if they do hit a point, you know, where they do accept Bitcoin, um, that is one to ponder. Um, Another area of thought I'd like to sort of um, delve into for a moment is um, obviously I mentioned previously, um, you are the CEO of Veeam and um, you very kindly talked about your career background um, for a moment with that at the beginning of this conversation. Um, could you perhaps talk about um, on the line of obviously, um, I suppose this kind of goes on to leadership um, as, a, as a thought, but what are some of the lessons you have learned about digital payments during your tenure as CEO of Veeam? Um, you know, payments in general, they seem simple on the surface. Uh, they are actually quite complicated businesses. Um, and it has to do with the intersection of technology, risk, compliance, regulatory, and operations. And they're all kind of need to come together to mm -hmm. in, in form together to have the right uh, payment experience to the user. And, and so it, it's, um, it's not exactly a, a simple um, um, you know, business to operate, but the simpler it is to the user, the better the scale of the service and the more complex the back office becomes and the, the, you know, the backend operations. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a game of constantly simplifying to the user and taking complexity away from them, taking the complexity internally and dealing with it you know, internally by having you know, all the um, functions um, line up together to service that customer so the customer gets delighted along the way when they, when they, use, when they use the service. But yeah, it, it's, um, it's more complex, like payment businesses and fintechs in general are more complex than you know SaaS or software businesses because you have this extra issue you got to deal with that you got to be regulated you got to deal with compliance and and um, and that has its own dynamic and and brings uh, you know uh, brings a level of sophistication that's that's required to to uh, scale you know a payment service. So really driving into the simplicity like you just said anything to really kind of take away anything that's complex in the process for the consumer to really make it something that's like I said before seamless effective you know yeah. 
all all the sort of you know green lights of it being it's something which is easily accessible you know seamless effective reliable i guess as well that's kind of seems to be a, a major um major area that needs to be covered when it comes to digital payments you know a lot of consumers again i'm just generalizing but a lot of consumers won't really be using product unless they know that they can trust it and you know with what you've said in, in regards to veen i'm sure you've had a lot of um effect you know positive feedback with that you know that actually your service is actually showing um the right side of how digital payments should be you know <laughs> you, you never want a consumer feeling stressed at all um, with this you know obviously what happens behind the curtain um, the complexity with that process, obviously, um, I can imagine a lot of consumers, they're not really witnessing that, but they are able to uh, gain the positive side of it, um, to say the least. Um, so, um, Marwan, I think um, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, how it's been in regards to Veeam uh, in the effect of the pandemic. Um, I suppose, a, you know, a positive note um, for 2021. Um, in regards to fintech, um, I would like to get your thoughts or your insights into what you think fintech uh, will look like in 2021. Um, you know, I, I'd say that um, in general, out of all the tech segments, fintech will continue to do well. Uh, there'll, there'll be more investments. It'll continue to be a thriving sector. And it's, it's not just 2021. I think it's going to be like this for a while. Because I think that's an area, fintech in general, is a segment that has not seen innovation for a long time. And then just in the past, you know, five years, and, and it's gonna continue for a while, you're going to see a plethora of, of innovation in this space. Um, folks that are using different technology like blockchain, folks that are simplifying complex processes, uh, folks that are disintermediating intermediating the bank and pro providing simpler solutions to, to, uh, to customers. These are all like trends that you're going to see. So I think it's a it's a hot space, and you're going to see significant amount of money that still pours in it, and significant innovation not only um, in 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 US and UK and Europe, all across the board. I mean, there's quite a bit of innovation going on in like Singapore and China and Africa, um, Brazil, and like all all around, um, you know, all around the world. There is this trend to uh, to, to make the experiences simpler and better for, for users. And that's what is driving innovation and the, the flux of money into this space. So I think just as like, I suppose another question um, I'd like to ask you um, as we're coming towards the end of this, uh, this episode today, um, you mentioned then obviously innovation. Um, I think something which coincides with, you know, talking about your FinTech, um, you know, insights into this, is there any bit of advice or key focus that you have um, in regards to fintech, um, whether that be the current moment in time um, or this is in regards to the future? Is there anything for our listeners who I suppose are fintech experts, which I would say like yourself or just, you know, anyone that's tuning in, what bit of advice would you offer um, at the moment with how fintech is um, sort of going? Yeah, I think the, the key thing that we all got to fix on as uh, experts in the space, operators in the space. So at the end of the day, you want to create services that uh, are available to users that are fundamentally different than what you get to today. Whatever you have, whether you're um, 
doing payments or taking a loan from a bank or um, figuring out how to do a mortgage or how to get authenticated on the system. All, all these things have the same principle to them that the success of the uh, new players in the market and new services rights on one important principle that me, the user, needs to experience something very different from the provider compared to what I have today in order to adopt the new service. And that's really what fuels adoption of new services and, and that fuels creativity and investments in the market. And that's what makes FinTech exciting. So you're going to see a lot of that coming up. We're still at the top of that iceberg, actually. There's, I mean, this is a massive, massive industry uh, that needs to change. And so there's a lot of room for a lot of players to do well and for the user to experience new services that are completely different than what they have had access to in the past. That's great. I think um, that's a that's a great note to end on for this podcast. Um, I think, Marwan, it's been an absolute delight having you on the episode today. Um, you know, before the conversation comes to an end, is there anything else that you'd like to discuss? Just reiterating that um, I think you were, we all will see significant uh, investments in this space that are coming up uh, across the board all around the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one uh, which we'll be monitoring for the, the next months to come. Um, and it would be interesting to say the least to see how 2021 is going to um, conclude in, in regards to fintech. Um, again, um, Marwan, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being on the episode today. Thank you for having me.